Welcome to The Mic Is On, episode number 50. Yes, we've gotten to 50 episodes, and today's episode features another number 50, Janine Lotzenheiser, which we will talk about later in this episode. You may say, who is Janine Lotzenheiser? Well, someone very important, because she is the first person that is on this podcast in 50 episodes that is going to lead us to the topic of radio and radio broadcasting specifically. As I have discussed in other episodes, one of my major loves in life is radio. I have a broadcasting degree, which I got before I did PE. And Janine and I today will talk about radio a lot. Uh, Her love for it how she got into it, what she's doing now, the ins and outs of how it works and, you know, the struggles and the trials and tribulations of her life that she has gone through. And a lot of shows we talk about people's paths, how they're interesting and, you know, unique. This episode is no different, as you will hear with Janine's story. It involves basketball, and we will talk some basketball here and there, but we will talk radio and we'll talk about family situations as well. So whether or not you feel like you know a lot about radio, I promise you this episode will have something for you because once again, you are going to hear the story of somebody who has worked their way through some stuff to get to the point they're at now. And of course, we have a lot of fun along the way. A lot of laughter, a lot of laughter, talking about multiple different subjects. And before we're done, you'll hear subjects such as uh, Gordon Ramsay restaurant in Las Vegas, a Wyoming plane trip, all kinds of interesting things along the path of Janine. So get ready to hear a life story, a lot about radio, finally, here on The Mic Is On, episode 50 with Janine Lotzenheiser. So today, I am here with Janine Lotzenheiser. The name may be long, but the story is going to be great. And as I mentioned in the intro, she is the first person that I've had on the entire time the podcast where we're actually talking about radio broadcasting. Yeah. And so it makes me happy to invite to have her here today. So a big welcome to Janine Lotzenheiser. Welcome to the Mike is on podcast. And how are you doing today? Thank, first of all, thank you so much, Mr. On, for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited. I'm doing amazing. Um, lots of things have happened since you saw me in like 2012. <laughs> so a lot has happened in my life, but everything has been amazing. I'm currently living my dream, which I know sounds weird, um, but definitely has, in my opinion, been a long time coming. So I'm super, super proud of what's been going on. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go back as far back as we will, I have known Janine. I think I first saw Janine. This is the level talk when she was like in fifth grade. Yeah. Um, shooting basketballs as her father was telling me, Hey, this is my daughter. She's in fifth grade. <laughs> now, obviously, Janine's not in fifth grade anymore, but there is something that you have mentioned about a love for radio at a really early age and perhaps even doing radio, fake radio shows with your parents. So I want to ask you this question first. What what age were you when you were first doing those things? And how did you even get 
started, like what got you to want to do that when you were little? Yeah. So when I was around four years old, that was the first time that I picked up a basketball. Um, My dad was coaching out at John Sweat. He was coaching the boys basketball team. And I always thought that it was just really cool to be able to be around sports. I didn't think I was going to play the sport necessarily, but that's when I started like remembering waking up on Saturday mornings and watching college game day with my parents and just seeing like all of the like announcers talk about sports. And I was like, well, I like sports and I can talk. So I might as well just try and do both. So I started on the whole like sports broadcasting side of things and pretending to be like, and now I'm sitting here with my dad. Can you tell me your name? And I would just like pass around like a Twinkie or whatever it was that I was messing around with at the time, one of those fake phones. And I was doing that. So probably that was probably around like six or seven when I was just like, okay, I really think that I could do this for a living because it's fun. I like to do it. And why not get paid to talk? Like that just sounds like a blast. So then it turned into the sports broadcasting world as I was doing basketball. And I kind of found that around like nine or 10. And I was like, I think I really want to do this. But I knew that I couldn't go anywhere or do anything basketball wise without knowing what I wanted to do for school. Because not you, you don't always make it to the WNBA. You're not going to always play overseas. So what can I do that's going to pay for my education and set me up for a career? So it it kind of just went hand in hand with the two. And I just knew that that's what I wanted to do probably since I was about five or six. Which is wonderful because (laughs) when I was that age as well, I used to play with like sports papers and any kind of uh, GI Joes, whatever. And I used to do the same thing. I would broadcast, right? So, So it's very near and dear to my heart when I hear about other people doing this from a young age because it's the exact same way that I envisioned things. I was like, well, I want to do this. And yeah, and this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> now let's talk a little bit about basketball because it's, it's a, it's a key part to your story per- personally, because you obviously played basketball, as you mentioned, from an early age, you played basketball in high school for all four years. I actually, I'll, I'll mention this as well. I was on the coaching staff of Janine's freshman yes. uh, year <laughs> basketball experience, which was on a varsity team at Northgate high school. Uh, after that, I just saw her play in mini games, but it was always your idea. If you could go to college, uh, and play basketball, you wanted to. Yeah. So as you were going through high school, you get a one year older each year, you know, college is coming up. Do you remember when you started really trying to focus on, okay, what's going to be my, my location once I'm out of high school? Yeah. So right around my freshman year or going into sophomore year, I moved schools. So I ended up going to and graduating from Miramani High School in Arinda. And that was at the time that my parents were getting divorced. My parents got divorced between my freshman and sophomore year right after I moved. And I started thinking about college probably since I was like 14. If we're being honest, I was kind of in in a way not pressured by my parents, but like, if this is what you want to do, you need to figure it out because you don't want to be that senior who like has nowhere to go. And now you're stuck. So I started looking into schools around then, but I knew it was kind of just like, I knew what I wanted to do with my major. And it was kind of finding a school that would help me with that. I didn't want to do straight communications. I didn't want to do journalism. I can't write worth anything. So I was like, I need to go somewhere where I can talk. 
And all of those locations were either super, super close to home, like the, the South States and the San Jose States of the world, or all the way on the East Coast. And to my parents' divorce was not the best. So I felt like if I stayed close to home, I would be doing myself a disservice. And my parents growing up were also very like, you, if someone's going to pay for your education and your, your basketball, you might as well experience something else. So that's when I started looking North Carolina, Tennessee, New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York, and seeing if that was going to end up working, which it did. So I'm glad. <laughs> So at what point did you verbally commit or, or actually commit to the school you went to and tell us where you ended up going? Yeah. So I committed between my sophomore and my junior year in 20, that would have been 2010. And I committed, yeah, 2010, I think. And I committed to Ryder University. It is a mid-major D1 that's located in Lawrenceville, New Jersey right down the street from Princeton. So it was 45 minutes from New York and 45 minutes from Philadelphia. And this was one of the two schools. Um, the other school was Iona University, which is in the same league that offered radio and television as a specific major. So I did that, decided to play for Coach Milligan and started there in 2016. So you grew up in California. You spent you know, your life on the West coast, obviously New Jersey is very far away from the West coast, but as you, as you discussed, you felt like for you, it would be a good situation to be away from Mm -hmm. where you had been most of your life. Do you remember how it was for you you, that freshman year, right? Not just basketball, but just overall, right? Radio TV, you have, you have an idea of what you want to do. It's not a big school, so you can know a lot of people but then you're very far away. So take us through just quick memories of what it was like that very first year away. Yeah. So my freshman year was super hard, not only for the sake of not playing basketball wise, you know, you come from this school where you set a bunch of records and everyone knows your name. And now you go across the country to nothing with nobody and girls who have been playing forever, who were like the cream de la crop of like the East coast. You're the only person they've ever recruited from the West. So it was, it, was a big, it was a big thing for me. I think it was probably my second week. I called my parents crying that they, why did they let me go to this school? I literally don't want to do it. And you know, my dad, he was like, I don't know who raised you, but certainly in this situation, it was not me and your mom. And you need to toughen up. Like you have to do this. And he was like, don't think of it as you're here to play basketball, even though I was, and this is probably going to sound really weird. I was there to get an education. I was getting a free education and something I wanted to do my whole life. And if I was going to be a baby, now was not the time. The time to be a baby is sixth and seventh grade. When you can have your parents be like, it's okay. And college, it's like toughen up. Like, what are you doing? So it was really hard. Basketball was really hard, but that's when I started focusing on, okay, all of these classes, this radio production and television production and learning how to man a board at a radio station. I focused on that. And then I was like, okay, well, if I want to do this, I became the producer of a therapy show. Then I became the host of a therapy show, which was great because I needed my own therapy at the time. (laughs) So it ended up working out. But the first year was absolute death on a stick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and the reason I... No, that's a real, it's a really good explanation. And the reason I ask that is because I've had 
multiple different guests, right, who played a sport in college or who didn't even play a sport in college but just went away. And everybody has unique experiences, but especially when they are somewhere that they have literally never been before, right? right? And when you're far away, and I remember it too from me being in college, I was in Texas, it's like anything that you grew up knowing for 18 years is out the window because there isn't any hey, can you come and see me tomorrow? There, there's none of that. And and knowing your parents, I do know that they were definitely going to not be on the, ah, Janine, it's fine. Just, yes. just come on back home. But so now you're at Ryder, right? And you, you talked about you started doing stuff involving radio. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're you're still having a basketball career situation happen as well. When you were in college, when did you start thinking, I guess is the best question, about all right, so when I'm done, what's going to be the best way I can start getting jobs? Like, when did you start thinking about that? Sophomore year, junior year? When were you literally processing that? I started thinking about that sophomore year, kind of going after, we called it J-term. So it's like that break between December, Christmas time and January when people come back. So as an athlete at Ryder, you had to take summer school for six weeks, stay through J-term, take more classes. So I technically graduated in two and a half years, almost three years. Um, Didn't really want to stay and do my master's. So I kind of just took those really advanced radio and TV classes my junior and senior year. But sophomore year is when I really realized like this basketball situation that I thought was going to be amazing and I was going to make a name for myself was not happening. I think in all four years, I'm not even joking. I think I played like 17 minutes in all four years. Like it was not for me. There are a lot of things that I think about that I could go back and change, um, but it wouldn't have gotten me here. So it's always that like, you know, catch, what is that called? Catch 22. Yes. 22 when you're like, okay. But, you know, I, it was really sophomore year. And I was like, if I can develop my resume now and work for the local baseball team or my radio station or things like that, that I knew come senior year when I had already known what my schedule was going to be, I could start to work. And then when I was done with basketball, be free to just do whatever Janine at the time wanted to do. Your sophomore, you start thinking about that now. And the reason I ask this is it's, it's weird. I have a broadcasting degree. I've talked about this on a couple of, of episodes before very same thought process. Although I wasn't playing a sport, a one specific sport in college, but you you think internships, right? And and being on the East Coast, Ryder is in a, a good situation to where you have a lot of opportunities, big cities. It's close between the cities, so it's not, not a lot of space. You can get there quickly. Did you find that it worked it was perfect location for you to be able to start doing those things junior year, senior year? How did that go for you? So the hardest part with my degree specifically is internships are year round, especially when you want to be on like today or good morning America or things that you would think would lead you into your career. Um, Being a basketball player specifically, I was never able to do what one would consider a traditional internship just because I never had the time. I could only have the eight weeks in the summer that we split up between summer one and summer two. And after your freshman year, you could decide. So for me, it was always easier to stay through the first eight weeks, then go home and come back instead of like go home to come back extra. It was just too much. But my internships all took place at our school's radio station. 
So not only was I able to learn a bunch of stuff, I could put it on my resume and it counted as credits, which obviously helped my graduation situation. But my first real internship, which is so funny thinking back because it literally didn't matter for anything that I'm doing now. I was an intern for a AAA baseball team. called They were called the Camden River Sharks in Camden, New Jersey, but they're not a thing anymore. But they were at the time, I think the Phillies or the Yankee Phillies, Yankees, Phillies affiliate, Phillies, because Trenton is New York. So I was there, but I was just like, I did everything. I did ticket sales, social media. Most of the time I was the mascot. I made an amazing Finley the shark. This is great. I'm not going to lie. And it was only because I'm 6'1". And I was the only one who could fit and like not look like a dud. And I swear, I actually looked really good and I miss it a lot. It was really, really fun because then you got like free food and you could just leave when you were all hot and sweaty. Anyway, I did that. And then that was really my only internship outside of school. And looking back, could I have gone to like the local radio stations? Probably. But I don't think it would have been as fun. And I don't know how my life would have turned out had I done those. So it's it's all just very interesting. This is all new. I, you know, I remember when you were talking about the, the AAA thing, I remember hearing about that or seeing about that, but I know I didn't hear about the shark. I know I, I know that was new for me. I made an amazing Finley the shark. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Okay. So now you graduate. Mm-hmm. Once graduation happens, what was that very next step that you went on to? So I graduated in the spring of 2016 and I got my first job actually in January of that year, right before basketball season ended. And I was a sales assistant for our local radio station company. And I thought, you know what? It didn't make a lot of money, but I thought it was going to be my step in the door. I was like, okay, even if I'm the sales assistant, you work with the people on air, maybe one day they'll want you to come on or something. And I was probably there for about two months. And the afternoon show was Dennis and Judy. They're still there. And Dennis came up to me one day and he was like, Janine, have you ever wanted to be on the radio? And I was like, oh my God, brace yourselves. I was like, he's going to ask me to be on a show. And that's exactly what happened. So he was like, we play this game and it's called messing with millennials. And he was like, we basically bring, you know, a millennial on, which was me at the time. I was the youngest by a good 20 years. And he was like, we have people call in and ask you questions that they don't think you would know. And you know, my dad, I listened to super, super old music growing up. So I knew every question and people hated it because they would never be able to win a prize. And then I ended up getting that stint every Friday until I ended up leaving. So I was at that job for about a year or so before I ended up moving. And this is still on the East Coast, of course. And, you know, you've been there for four plus years now. So how were you looking for next options? So at the time, I just figured I was going to stick with radio and maybe bounce around to another company. And then actually right after I graduated college... Um, I found out that my mom had stage four brain cancer. And, you know, I don't know if anyone who's listening has ever had experience, but most of the time when you're diagnosed with brain cancer, you have about a year to 18 months to live. So when I got the phone call, I was already in work and she waited until after I graduated college to let me know um, that she was sick. 
And I got the phone call and they were like, Hey, she had another seizure. It's not looking good. You're going to need to move. So I quit my job. I moved in 12 hours across the country again to Washington state. And I was there for about three years before I accepted my new position. Um, But I was her caretaker. So I quit my job in radio and kind of just was there for my mom. She lived way past her 18 months. She passed right before COVID in 2020. Um, So she passed away February 11th, 2020. And um, she she was doing really good. So I ended up actually getting another job in radio. Um, when I realized that she was going to, or when we realized she was going to live past her 18 months. And I ended up becoming the sales director and the general manager for a radio station company. So that was my last job. Um, and I was there for about two years. So now you talk about you're having to move out to Washington state. And of course you put your career initially temporarily on hold. You know, you're going to be with your mom. You talk about that you did get a job. How was that balancing when you were doing that? You know, obviously, you know that your mom's situation was fluctuating on a day to day to day basis, potentially, potentially. What was that like? Because most people don't have to go through that at all. And then but once you do start working again, then you're you're trying to do both things. But was it fulfilling, more difficult? What were the feelings you had with that? So my mom actually was a sales director for a long time for um, a place (laughs) that I can't think of at the moment, but she did that. That was her job. And I always thought it'd be really cool because not only would I be doing what she did as I'm taking care of her, but it was for radio. So same thing. I was like, if I can build this up and maybe one day someone's sick and they want me to come on or sneak into the station and try to learn the board, because of course, everywhere you go is different. Um, but when things got really bad, it got really bad, not only for the sake of, you know, I, I made my own schedule. So scheduling was never a problem, um, because I could be done at 10 AM if I needed to, and I wanted to go see her. But when you know, things are getting worse, your headspace for wanting to go see clients and being like, hi, how are you sign this thousand dollar contract goes out the window. But I will say my boss, at the time was amazing and was very good with like, if you don't feel like coming in, you don't have to, like, I'm not going to make you do this. Like you make your own money and your situation is totally fine to not be around. So that ended up working out. And then, you know, when my mom passed away, I was there for about another eight months and things started picking up because I was like, okay, I'm going to make her so proud. I'm just going to crush these sales out of the park, which I did. But then other things started happening as I was there in terms of like staying there. And I don't think people realize, and if you've ever lost someone, you probably know this, staying in a place where you've lost someone is very difficult for your mental psyche. Like I was like, as much as I'm crushing this job and I love it, in a small town where I was, everything you see reminds you of the person who's not there. So yes, I'm crushing it at work, but you come home and you just become a depressed Debbie and you don't know what to do. And that was when I realized like, this isn't good for me for what I've been going through. And I need to change this to make myself happier, which I ended up doing. But at the time it was very, very difficult. Yeah, completely. Uh, You know, I don't 
obviously wish it on anybody and you're doing a really good job of explaining the the type of feelings. So as far as, you know, working your way through, obviously not wanting to see the same thing, right? Like you mentioned over and over when your mom passed away, what were the next few months like for you or, or weeks, you know, weeks or months before you started mapping out what potentially you were going to do next? Yeah. So she passed in February and I was like, okay, probably the first eight months were absolutely horrible. Um, just because you're so used to seeing her every day and helping her with things. And one day I was just driving around and I was just like, I can't be here anymore. It's just one of those things that clicks in your mind. And I was just like, I I need to do something about this. And I was like, it wasn't my job. It wasn't the family that I had there. I was like, it was just something about being here that I just, I was like, I got to go. And my grandpa, he is still there. My grandpa is, you know, still alive. My grandma passed before my mom in February of 2019. So I was dealing with my grandma passing. Then not even a year later, my mom passes away. Um, My grandpa is still living his best life (laughs) out in Washington. But I just remember thinking like, I need to do something. And I was like, I didn't want to go back to the East Coast. I definitely did not want to go back to the Bay. Um, I, I liked the distance I had from my dad, as bad as that sounds. But I wanted to be close enough to where like, we could actually see each other on you know a decent basis. And my friend at the time had moved to Nevada. And he was like, I really think you should start looking at work in Nevada, whether that's you know, you come here and work at a restaurant for a while or something. And I was just like, no, I, I want to do what I'm doing now. Like, I really enjoy being a GM and being around radio. And I started applying and I applied to three radio station companies in the States. And it's funny because it'll actually be one year since I got the phone call on Wednesday that I got a call from my GM. I was getting ready for my birthday because my birthday is next week as well. I was with one of my best friends about to see the Jonas Brothers. So I was already super excited. And I get a phone call from the area code. And I was like, why am I getting the phone? Oh my gosh, I think someone's calling me from the radio. So I answered and my boss's name is Kara. And she was like, hey, Janine, like I got your resume and your cover letter. Your cover letter blew my mind. Of course, I wrote about my life and you know what had just happened. And she was like, I really want to talk to you about this position. So the position that I applied for originally was the sales director position. So exactly what I was doing before, just moved to a different place. And we start talking and she was like, I just really love your energy. And we were, I'll, keep, I'll let you know, we were on the phone for almost 90 minutes just talking about jobs and what I'd been through and all of this stuff. And she was like, I'm going to talk with my owner and seeing if we can find something for you. Cause we're not hiring We're I'm going to be honest, we're not hiring. And she was like, I'm going to call you back and let you know where we stand. And I was like, okay, cool. Regardless works for me. I turned 28 and got a phone call two days after that. So in about two weeks. And she was like, I was talking with my owners about you and she was like, I just loved your voice. And for someone who wants to be in radio, that's a huge compliment. She was like, I love your voice and I loved your energy. And she was like, we actually just had someone put in their two weeks for our number one morning show. What do you think about being on air? 
And I said, what? <laughs> as, as like a, a little four-year-old Janine's eyes are welling in this 28-year-old body. She was like, what do you think about that? And I was like, okay, keep it together. You can't start crying. Just tell her you want to do it. And I was like, that would be, and as, as tough as it was, I was like, that absolutely sounds amazing. <laughs> totally robotic. Like that would be fantastic. And she was like, okay, I'll get back to you. You know, we're going to figure this out. 20 minutes later, she calls me back and she said, what are you doing next week? And I said, next week, she was like, we want to fly you out here and put you on the show. And I was like, (laughs) Uh, anyone who knows me knows that I was freaking out. I started dancing around. I think I went for a run. Hadn't done that since I was like 15. So I was like, I'm going to go do this. It's going to be awesome. And they flew me out here and I was on the morning show for three days. Um, did my interviews Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I got and accepted the job on Friday, October 18th. Which is amazing. <laughs> and now, now what format was that station? So that station is one of the stations that I'm currently on, and it's a top 100. So it's the Justin Bieber's, the Jonas Brothers, Kelly Clarkson's, Beyonce's of our music world. Yes. Now... <laughs> So when you, when you make this move, right, you, you're transitioning to something you've wanted to do, mm-hmm. uh, but there's always the thought process of, okay, should I just be like me a hundred percent of the time? And then you have other people that, you know, how many other people were on the morning show? One. So it's me and one guy. Okay. So, you know, you haven't had like a, a long-term relationship with this person either. And so chemistry is... You know, you can you can fake chemistry for a little while, right. right? Like anybody that's in radio or does stuff with a voice, you can fake it for a little bit, but you can't fake it for a long time. Right. So for you, how long did it take before you felt like, okay, I got this? Because of course, when you first start, there's going to be nerves, there's going to be excitement, there's going to be all those different things, but you don't know what the future brings. And people who don't know the radio business, literally people can make decisions and change things in an hour. So it's not like, hey, we're going to see how this goes for the next six months. It could be you come the next day and they go, hey, we changed formats. Sorry, we don't need people anymore. Yeah. So for you in this situation, what were those first few weeks like? So my first day, I was a nervous wreck. And I think anyone who knows me, I mean, you've known me for a long time. I don't really get nervous. And if I do, I don't really think you're going to know it. I would consider myself very good at keeping my composure and if I'm excited, you'll know. If I'm mad at you, you'll know. That's just how I am. I was a nervous wreck. Everyone said I sounded great. Um, they were super excited that I was there. And I was just like, "This, there's no way they're going to keep me. There's no way. And I probably felt like that for the first three weeks. And right after a month, I was like, no. like I wanted to do this. Like You're going to have to force me out of here if you're going to want me to leave. And pretty much after that... Um, We've been on a roll and it's been so fun. And one of my favorite things is I'm in charge of this segment we do. It's called trending. So I'm able to sit down and put my love of celebrity drama and reality TV in the forefront. So it's like mixing everything that I love to do on the side with what I've wanted to do for so long. So it's literally the best of both worlds. So I'm on the morning show with a co-host or I'm his co-host. And then I have an afternoon show right after that. 
And then about two weeks ago, I was given another show, which is in the, we called it our PM drive. So it's from three to seven on our local country station, which is like, I love me some country. So I do that. And then I also have a weekend show. So I'm a very, very busy girl, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Now that's one thing I want to talk about. So the, the midday or sorry, the afternoon, let's see, hold on. The country is which one? Country's PM drive. Country's PM drive. Okay. The midday is with the same station. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you got top 100 for two parts of the day, then you go country, and then that weekend is? Oldies. Oldies. So we ha- we are mixing all the things in. <laughs> now, a lot of things have changed in, in radio over the last 20, 30 years. Like when I first got out of college, which was the late 90s, radio was just starting to transition to computers, right? Where So I had the ability or the opportunity when I was in school to do cutting and splicing of actual tape with razors to tape them together, things like that. Uh, working with CDs, working with records, working with cassettes, all those different things. And of course, now there's none of that. No. <laughs> so really the only way you can you know, put yourself out there is by personality and how you sound. And of course, your work ethic and things like that. So now you are super busy. Most people don't do what you're doing. Right. Like, let's make that plain. Like most, (laughs) I would say 98% of people involved in the radio world do not do that many different types of things or things, but a lot of it depends on your, your personality and the life you're living at this point right now. So for you, what are you doing to keep yourself fresh to where you're not integrating, you know, making it the same thing. Like, oh shoot, I, we did that. I have to, you know, it, that's, that's the hardest part is to, to make things fresh, to make things original. So what have you been doing over the last few months to, to help that to continue? So I do feel like I'm very lucky in a sense where my normal everyday life, even when I wasn't on the radio had to do with keeping up with the latest things. And I don't know if that's because I'm obsessed with watching TV or that's just what I enjoy. Um, But again, this is a thing that is not like a lot of other radio people. There's not a lot of, I have to to say this the right way because I do put a lot of thought into it, but it's not as hard as I think it can be for someone else. Like as a 28, almost 29 year old, I'm constantly knowing like which Kardashian is about to have a baby. That's just kind of like the millennial. It's a specialty. It's a specialty you have. Exactly. And I can do that. And country music is something that I can literally pop on my Instagram and see. So I think it's a mix of like wanting to know the information and having it readily available. And I think as a millennial who has every type of social media and whose friends, you know, are radio personalities on the East Coast or who went to a concert two days ago, it's easy to message someone and be like, hey, I know you just saw this artist. You got tickets to see Sean Mendez. I'm going to Adele in March. Tell me what happened. And then I can go and do that. And I think not only am I lucky because I enjoy it, but I'm lucky because 20 years ago, this wasn't a thing. So not everyone could be like, oh, what did you do? Tell me about it. Let me look it up. And I feel like that's what makes it really fun because I enjoy it. Like I enjoy my job. I don't even consider it a job. I just consider it like a fun thing I get to do that I also happen to get paid for. And doing like being involved with the social aspect of it in terms of knowing what to keep up with. 
if that makes sense. No, I, I understand because it's it's what you're interested in anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. I have the same view of it with teaching PE or whatever. You know, it's not something I have to be convinced that I, I need to be into, right? Like you're into it and you happen to actually be able to make it a living. And the other part that you mentioned that for people who have liked radio for many years, the other thing that was different 20, 30 years ago is you literally would have no idea what was going on in other stations outside of your area because there weren't ways to just like click it on and listen to it, right? So if if you're in Washington state, you can't just be like, oh, I wonder what they're doing in Wisconsin today on top 100 radio. There was no way you would kind of hear things, whatever, but now there is that ability with social media to not only stay in touch, but to be very aware of what's happening at other places. So then you can implement things you like or, or things like, oh, hey, I for sure don't want to do that. So what is what would you say besides your, of course, bubbly personality and, and thank you, the voice, of course, what is something else that you feel like has been really big for you personally to be able to move your way to this situation? What comes to mind first? Something that you know has been very helpful for you. Um, I think that's just knowing that this is probably this is gonna sound really weird. I've wanted to do this my whole life. And to be able to sit here and say, you know, I had I've had a dream come true is an understatement because I've had two come true. Um, I was able to play division one basketball and get that taken care of and paid for and Now I'm doing something that I've wanted to do just as long, but I think it's knowing that I've had a lot of people pass away. Um, Let's be honest. I've had very special people who have, you know, are not here physically to be able to see this and, oh, I'm probably going to start to cry, but to be able to say that I did what I told them I was going to do before they passed away, I think is still my everyday wake up motivation because even though they're not physically here to listen, I know that they're still listening, which makes me really happy. Yes. You have me emotional as well, because there are so many things about your situation that I can compare to, you know, for me, my father was the one who was always into radio, right? My dad, he never had never had a job in radio, but that was where my interest came from. Right. And so he passed away, shoot, like 14 years ago. So he was, you know, he was around when I started my career and I was doing like things within radio, but like this podcast, you know, I know he would be proud, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he's, sure. you know, he's not going to be here to hear it and things like that. So I completely relate to what you're saying and I, co- I totally understand it. And I know that everybody has their own things. And while some people might listen to us talking back radio like what you know <laughs> but it, it's so fun like and radio yes yeah it's so fun it's so great you can be yourself you can have personality you you aren't limited to little small sound bites even though there there are things are timed as we know like okay you got to be 30 seconds you got to be out or or the intro to the song is 27 seconds so you can be on for 25 and you got to stop talking when the music the, the voice starts so mm-hmm. for for you now uh, you know, you're, you've been doing this for a while and now you're, you're opening, you know, doing it multiple places. Yeah. What is the, the one thing that has been the biggest struggle or the toughest thing for you to get used to? That's a good question. I think that each, I think it's each format being so different that I think you mentioned it, even though you are the same personality and you're bringing that like bubbliness and like, this is what's going on. You don't want it to sound so repetitive every day 
that people decide to turn you off. Like, of course, when I do the morning show and the show right afterwards, that material is going to be the same all the time because you don't know if Patty, who was listening at 1130, was also Patty, who was listening at six. So that one's easier. It's the country one that's hard because like I said, I'm, I think I know country well enough to say this is what's going on. But sometimes I'm so ahead of what's happening that I'm like, okay, I said this two days ago, but the album comes out today. Do I repeat that the album's right. out today? Do I just play the song that's on? Do I not mention that her new album is out? Right. So I think it's the ability to know when to say something instead of when not to, which as someone who talks a lot, like now I'm just babbling around. It's you, you never really know when to do it or when to stop. And that's the hardest part. Right. And the other thing is there's not somebody who's like looking over your shoulder, like every single second, you know, the, the radio is a wild business and has changed a lot, you know, in good ways and in, and in bad ways. Some, some as well. Right. I don't have a producer who's like, excuse you, like time to stop. (laughs) I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. Okay, stop. Now you have all these different little irons in the fire. But of course, you have had some really cool things happen working in the world of radio. One thing I know was you had mentioned at some point in the past year about Backstreet Boys that you were, you know, you get to interview people that may, well, maybe they were big deals for you or your family members or other people. And I remember moments like that too, where it's like, you have to remember everybody's just a regular person, right? You're just in a situation where you're getting to meet and, and you're doing it for a business. So you're, you're, you know, so what, let's just use the Backstreet Boys situation. Use the, what happened and how was that for you? Okay. So I'm obsessed with the Backstreet Boys, the Jonas Brothers, pretty much anybody, I'm going to be honest. And the Backstreet Boys were in, Wheatland about a month ago. And we had the ability to interview one of the Backstreet Boys because he also has a song that's out. And, you know, the guy I work with, he was like, Hey, Janine, just so you know, I think we're going to interview him. And I was like, What? Like, I literally was like, I, I like, and I'm, ba- I was literally babbling. He was like, What is wrong? I was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to talk. And he was like, (laughs) you need to come up with some questions and get this done. And I was like, oh my God. So he comes on and he was like, hi. And then I was like, hi. And he was like, hi, Janine. And I was like, ah, you know my name. Like I literally couldn't function. And I had like my friend who comes into the show, like on a certain day, like taking photos of me. And I, it was one of those where like, that's when one, I think you realize you've kind of like made it in a sense when you can interview someone. But then that's when I realized like, if this ever happened again, I need to get myself together. Cause I was a hot mess. I was like, this is not okay. But it, it was incredible. He was so nice, but th- those were, that was like the perk of the job. And then realizing like, okay, like next time I should maybe like breathe and take <laughs> a breath because he literally it could have, could he have seen me? the man would have walked out of the building because I would have either been not able to talk like I was, or I would have been all over him and I would have gotten bothered. <laughs> right. There was no gray area. It would have been one or the other. So I was glad it was on the phone. That's good. That's good. See, and these, <laughs> it's great. Cause you, you painted a good picture there. That was, good. Yeah. that was good. Okay. And the other thing, as far as painting a picture is concerned is that when you're doing radio, one thing that people don't realize if you're not working in it is that 
usually you're going to be either by yourself or with one other person or two other people. So while you are broadcasting in a sense to thousands of people, you are in a room where it's maybe you and one or two other people. And that is one of the things that you have to get past that is odd, right? It's it's just different. And some people, if you put them in that room, they aren't able to do that. Right. For you, how has that been in, in these situations that you are in now? Yeah. So the first couple of weeks was really hard just because, you know, you're learning about this new person, not only as like, your co-host and like person you have to work with every day. But like, I literally don't know you from my television. Like I know nothing about you. I might know you're married. You don't have kids. I know the basic stuff. So you get into the, when the light goes off, the honor light goes off and you're just in the studio. And then you start to learn about each other. And me and my co-host, we always say, if there was a camera in there, people would think we're freaking crazy. Like we're so close now, but the first couple of weeks, it's just like, you don't know if you should be like, hi, how was your weekend? Or like, oh my God, does he want to talk to me? Like, why is he looking at me like that? But now we're on a roll. But the first couple of weeks, intimidated would not be the word, but like nervously waiting for something to happen, I think would be the best way to describe it. Cause yeah. it was, it was difficult. And then now you're done. And I'm like, now I think he wants me to stop talking. He wishes I was the same Janine from like October <laughs> who was like, she didn't say anything. I'm okay. <laughs> and now I'm like, Hey, la 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 la. <laughs> but, but that's part of just getting used to what you're doing. And, and, and then there's a difference when you're, when a song is playing or nothing's happening and you're talking and then literally boom lights on and you're back on the air. And so there's just that difference between broadcasting but yet still trying to get to know the person you're actually exactly. working with or the people you're with as well. Yeah. So you're in this situation now. Obviously, it's hard to see far into the future, right? But you know, what's the ultimate goal? Not ultimate goal. Ultimate, that's the bad, bad terminology <laughs> by me. What is, you know, you're doing something you love right now. Yeah. At this point in your life, is this something you would like to continue for as long as you possibly can? Not that you couldn't go back and do sales, not that you couldn't go back and do those other things, but they're just something different when you're able to be yourself on air and you have a gift, right? Like that's the thing is it's, it's voice, it's personality, but it takes work to do it and you're doing it. So what, what is your wish for the next two to five years? So it's crazy that you say that because one of the reasons that I picked the company that I work at right now is I'm the youngest by at least 30 years. And all of those guys, because it's all men, I'm the only woman. um, All of those guys have been with this company that whole time. So they've all been at this company longer than I've been alive, which not only is a testament to like, wow, okay, you guys are really old. I love that. But like, there's something about this company and the people who work here and the the audience. And, you know, I would, I would love to be here as long as possible. I think for the sake of seeing how these people have come from the 22 year olds to the, you know, 50 year olds they are now is really cool. But I think this, our little group of radio people, we really are a family. And I didn't, I mean, people always say that, like you go to a job and they're like, oh, you're going to love it here because we're like a family. And you're like, yeah, okay, sure. Like you see me every day. You're not going to ask me how I'm doing on a Saturday. Um, But I actually got COVID in March 
And that's when I knew that I was in the right spot because there wasn't a day that went by that I didn't get 27 texts. Like, hey, did your temperature go down? Like, did you get your voice back? And that was another thing. I lost my voice completely for 21 days. Are you serious? I did. Yeah. So I lost my smell and my taste. And then I lost my voice. And that's the hardest thing because that's my job. I was like, I need my voice back. And I ended up getting it back thanks to some medication recommended to me by one of my best friends, Kayla Galanter, who you know. Um, so I did that and I got my voice back. But I, I mean, I would love to be here, honestly, for the rest of my radio career, where, however long that is. Um, but definitely for the next two to five years, I see myself being on these stations, if not moving around times, possibly in terms of, you know, what ones would consider better time slots. But with everything that I've had in my life, I could I could not be happier in my current situation. Let's just put it that way. Right. Now, one thing before we go to some other fun things that you don't even know what I'm cooking up here. Okay. One thing about following a path that you have had interest in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who think like, oh, it's just luck. Right. Or, oh, people, oh, if I didn't get to do what I wanted to do, I'm unlucky. Right. But as you know, you got to get your foot in the door. You can't just expect someone to just open it for you. You have to put yourself in a position where that is the case. What are, what is one of the key lessons that you have learned from college through now as far as opportunity presenting itself? Um, I think the biggest thing with that is to just be as confident as you are in yourself. I cannot tell you how many times I've had old friends of mine, because we're not friends now, say, you know, you, you're so lucky because everything's been handed to you. I'm sorry. No one comes and knocks on your door and says, you're tall today. Do you want a $500,000 basketball scholarship? That's not how this works. Right. It's the same with radio. You have to show that you have interest. You have to bring your personality. And I think not letting people who are obviously mad at themselves in their lives dictate how you live yours. Because I, I, if I was not me, I would kill for my job for the you know 5 a.m. to 11.30. And at first, it's very daunting because you don't know what to do. But then you're good. Yeah. But I, I think it's definitely the confidence and knowing that I've wanted to do this for so long. And if you don't like it, I don't really care. I'm going to do me. Well, and here's the thing is having known, I want you to know, having known both your parents, mm-hmm. you know, I would say you're such an incredible mix of the two, <laughs> uh, both very strong personalities, uh, in some cases, oil and water, you know, <laughs> but, but you combine the two. And I, I feel like the way you were brought up also has helped that, of course, right? Because we only know what we know, but that's where it's a teacher seeing students, seeing players all the way through people who are brought up to have responsibility generally have responsibility. Right. And I know that even though you have been through some really tough times, as far as family personalities, relationships, and, Mm -hmm. you know, death that you are thankful for the way that you were raised. Correct. I tell people all the time, they're like, what would you say is like one of your best traits. And of course, I think you go straight to personality and you're like, oh, I can get through anything. And I think, I mean, you know, the way I was raised, you have to be a mentally tough human. 
And I tell people that all the time and they're like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm not going to try to explain it for you. We don't have enough time to get through that. <laughs> but um, just knowing that had I not been raised that way, you're right. I, I wouldn't have gone through anything and I would have crumbled like a cookie. So I'm very thankful that I was raised the way I was. All right. Now we're going to go to something that you didn't know was coming, but it's another interest you have. And it's something that I and our family are also into. You're a big Gordon Ramsay fan. Oh my okay? God. Now- we we are big MasterChef fans in our family. We have a 10 and 7-year-old daughter, so we we watch MasterChef. We haven't watched Hell's Kitchen with them. Okay. But I, I know why. <laughs> I do know that you have had an opportunity to go to one of the restaurants in Vegas, but I want you to just I, I need this for me. Just tell me about that that situation. I saw pictures of the menu and one of the Hell's Kitchen winners that is now there, but just take us through like how that worked. And I know you do have that love for Gordon Ramsay, correct? Yes, I do. So I actually got invited through my work to go to the Academy of Country Music Awards in Las Vegas. So I was there to represent my station that I'm on. And I did that when that happened earlier this year. And I went with my one of my best friends. She loves country music. I was like, hey, I want you to come with me. And she was like, yeah. And she was like, I want to take you to a nice dinner. Like we're only there for a while. I had never been to Vegas at that time. So she was like, let's take some days. We'll go to this restaurant. And I was like, maybe we should go to Hell's Kitchen. And she was like, I don't really want to go to Hell's Kitchen. She was like, can we just go somewhere else? And I was like, sure. She was like, well, where else do you want to go? And I was like, well, he, Gordon Ramsay has like Gordon Ramsay steak. And she was like, oh, that sounds great. Let's go there. So of course I get all dressed up. We take a picture and I was like, okay, I'm for sure going to get the beef Wellington because I have to. And I had never been to a rest- one of his restaurants at that point either. So we sit down and he was like, oh, you can do you know, the prefix menu, which is five courses and all that stuff. Or you can just do a regular meal. And I was like, oh my God, this prefix looks incredible. And I was like, I want to do that. And he was like, okay, so you guys, our waiter was like, you have to do this for the table. Well, she's allergic to to shellfish. So I was like, really, girl, you're going to ruin this for me. So we told him and I said, you know, my best friend is like deathly allergic to seafood. He was like, oh, well, that's okay. You can do it by yourself. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I was super excited. And then she was like, well, since, you know, you brought me here and you bought us the tickets for the ACMs, I'm going to pay for the wine pairing as well, which like whole other level people like you think the food is good and then added some wine and it's just so good. So the courses start coming out. And it was incredible. I think the hamachi crudo was like the best thing I've ever eaten in my whole entire life. I would go back there just for that. And there was a dad and daughter next to us because, you know, you're at those super tiny, like have no room to wiggle seats. And we're sitting there and the daughter was like, oh, you know, is Gordon here? Is anyone here? And the guy was just like, no, he was like, not today. And we were like, oh, that's okay. You know, the chance of meeting Gordon Ramsay, like, come on, that would have been insane. So we sit down and I get to my last course, which is the sticky toffee pudding, which I've had in London before. So I was like, okay, this is going to be super good. Well, this guy comes and brings me my dessert. And he was like, here you go. And I look up and I was like, thanks. And it was Trenton from MasterChef. And when he did like the hot, the young guns um, on Hell's Kitchen. So I was like, oh my gosh. And then I stopped and I was like, 
And I'm just staring at him. The girl next to me is literally having a heart attack, <laughs> hitting her father across the room. I'm like, dad, that's trending. You have to take a picture. So I stood up and I was like, thank you. And then he was like, you're welcome. And I think he like, since he knew I was a fan and I couldn't speak, he was like waiting for me to take a picture. <laughs> and then he starts walking away. And then the girl next to me was like, wait, we need a picture. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So we ended up taking a picture, but it was like the, I tell people all the time, if you go there, that was like the best meal that I've ever had in my life. And I can't tell you how much it was. Cause of course your girl did not pay for it. <laughs> but it was, whatever my friend paid. Thank you, Courtney. It was worth it. Like it was super, super good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw that and I was like, okay, we got to talk about a little Gordon Ramsay oh, here. Cause so good. yes. Now that's amazing. You hadn't been to Vegas before. No. That's, yeah. Funny enough. I growing up, Vegas was not a place people took kids ever. Right. And my family traveled everywhere, but my parents were like, You're not we're not taking you to Vegas. Like it's not so I actually didn't go to Vegas till I was like twenty five was like the first yeah. time I ever went to Vegas, which is odd for most people nowadays, right? But yeah. I said that when I was about to go and everyone at work was like, What? <laughs> I haven't been and I was like, No. And they were like, That's weird. I was like, I had other things to worry about when I was eighteen and twenty one than going to Vegas. Right, right. <laughs> Now, before we get to the very end, I want to just go over the significance of the number 50. So in this uh, episode, which is number 50, I initially was like, all right, I'm going to probably talk on this episode or whatever. And then, of course, I'd reached out to Janine to see if she'd be willing to come on. And we said, all right, well, let's do this. Her father reaches <laughs> out to me on Facebook, reaches out, sends me a message on Facebook that says like, hey, you know, number 50 is coming up. What about Janine? The reason he says this is because Janine's basketball number from I don't know what grade was number 50. So it was always 50, like mm -hmm. for forever. Yeah. I thought, well, she must have told him that she was going to be on this. <laughs> we talked before we started and she's like, no, I didn't tell him. Because she also asks me, hey, did you do this like on purpose? Did you have me... <laughs> So it wasn't on purpose, but just by chance, yes, this is episode 50 of this podcast and it's Janine's episode and that is her number and it just happened to work out. So something magical that just randomly happened. Of course, I should have thought ahead, but I didn't, <laughs> but here we are and the number 50. So tell us why did you, why was 50 your number? Do you remember how that happened? Oh Yeah. So my parents and I had season tickets to the Sacramento Monarchs. That was the WNBA team in Sacramento that folded, I think, when it, in like 2011, 2012. And my favorite player at the time was number 21, Tisha Panachero, who I used to know and see her all the time. And we had a great relationship. When I started playing AAU, I was nine years old. And a girl on the team already had number 21. And she would not budge. And she's one of my greatest friends to this day. And I tease her about it all the time. And they were like, you need to pick another number. And I was like, oh my God. Okay. So my second favorite player was number 50, Tangela Smith, who was on the Monarchs and then went on to play and retire with the Phoenix Mercury. And I was number 50. And I've had plenty of chances to change my number to 21, college included. And I just never did. And it's been 50 ever since. So thanks, Tang. <laughs> thanks for being on the team. <laughs> that is that is the wildest thing. So yes, that, that so number fifty episode number fifty. So it's easy. People that are used to seeing your name from basketball, they're like, oh, it's number fifty. It's Janine Watson. Exactly. So <laughs> so it all will make sense in the end of this episode. So at the end of 
almost all the interviews I do, I have asked the people who I'm talking to, hey, do you have any question that you would like to ask me? Now, I didn't prep you for this okay. at all, but is there anything that you would like me to answer for you today? I've had questions that range from school things to sports things to life things to health things to whatever. So is there anything that you say, okay, I need you to answer this for me? Can I ask you a question about myself and your opinion? Of course. Okay. When you met me in fifth grade, I would, that would have been 2005. Oh, I don't even want to know how old I was. 12? Maybe. And, no, and even younger. Yeah. No, because you know, I was 93. You were born in 93? Yeah. Man, that's when I graduated from high school. That's good news. <laughs> But when you met, I, I want to know this because you've known me for a long time. If when my parents or my dad, when you used to see me like, oh, this is what she's going to do. This is what she wants to do. Would you have believed them? You mean as far as basketball or as far as both, both? So both. I don't remember them talking about like um, radio broadcasting okay. and stuff like that. But, I, you know, so fifth grade from when I first saw you, it was just shooting around in the Northgate gym, right? That was the yeah. first time. But then... Janine's freshman year at Northgate, at the beginning of the year, she had Mr. Johnson as her PE teacher. But during that year, he had another class added. And so her freshman class went to me mm-hmm. for the for not even second semester. It was like three quarters. It was three quarters of the year. So I actually did teach Janine for three quarters of her freshman year. And I discussed like I saw her playing basketball, was on the coaching staff of the team she was on her freshman year. So I always knew you had personality, but it's different when you're in high school because you don't know how everyone's going to react, right? I knew who your parents were. I knew, you know, and I, as we were talking today, I was like, oh, wait, I went here with Janine and their family. <laughs> like I've been places with your family before a long time ago, like back when you were in high school. But the thing is, your personality was always this. And no one asked me then, but I knew you were being brought up in a manner that you were never going to be meek. You were not going to be someone who would just be like, oh, okay, <laughs> I guess. You know, so in, in that realm, I had no surprise when I saw that you were starting to do these things that I knew you had interest in. The weird thing was, and we didn't. I didn't talk about this to you even before we started today is I don't remember having conversations with you about like um, broadcasting, even though it's what I had done before becoming a PE teacher. So I, I don't remember us having these conversations or even that coming up in conversation and not that it would always, but it was just funny that we've never really talked about radio stuff till today. Right. Yeah. And and yet so much of my earlier life and, and enjoyment from forever ago, it mirrors kind of the same things you have thought about and, and, and gone through. But it's, it's something that is a blast. I mean, it's, yeah, it's so okay. fun. I'm so, so I'm very proud of you, right? You have personality and you have toughness. And that's what you do need in the world of radio, in the world of broadcasting, right? Because you can't be thin-skinned as we know. You can't, like you literally can't be. So I know, I guess the answer to your question is, I don't remember having those conversations, but I knew that you were going to be able to do something and be strong enough to handle whatever came your way. Thank you. I thought of another question. Is that bad? 
No, no. Okay. Freshman year, my freshman year, when you were our assistant on the Northgate basketball team. Yes. What is one thing about that season? Because I think our, our th- I think our answers are going to be different. Sticks out in your mind from that year. There's more. I know there's more than one, but I think our answers might be a little different. As coaches, you always remember like the what ifs of moments where like we should have won this game. What in the world? You know, things like that. And when you were a freshman, Northgate had been good previous to that year and then was also good in that year as well. Uh, Went to the NCS championship game, lost, but then went on to NorCal's. And the game we, I remember, so my, my first memory from that year always comes to the game that ended our season, which was Oak Ridge up in, uh, oh, Sacramento. with Sarah James. Yes. With, uh, so we were playing against a team. Not. Yeah. And NorCal's, they go to the top eight, right? It was one through, at that time it was one through eight. And we were seated eighth. Oak Ridge was seated first. And we were not upset. We were like, yeah, let's go because that's the mindset that we had. So that's something that always comes through to me. Is is that I think about that, which is the game that ended our season. So I remember the first member that came to me was sitting in that locker room after we lost, knowing the season was over, and just being like, "Ah, oh, man, you know, we 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 had these guys. We could have, we you know, we were, which we it was a very close game. We ended it up was. losing, I don't know, by like six to eight or something like that at the end. But it was a really close game in a, in a hot, awesome environment, and we were playing against a team that had a girl who was full red to Stanford, you know. Th- they were expected to win, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Wow. I swore you were going to say Wyoming. I Oh, man. Okay. So here's – okay. That also is a phenomenal memory from that year. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what Janine is speaking of is Gillette, Wyoming. And <sighs> it's called the Energy Classic. And, and Northgate was the first time Northgate had ever played in it. It was a tournament that is over Christmas break. We were literally there for New Year's. Yep. Now, do you remember the plane rides? Okay. <laughs> so my memory, the first one I was going to say was not Wyoming. I figured you, mine is completely different, but I always will remember it. So we were on what I, what it, they call them like a, a bum rider plane or like the one that literally can take 20 people. So I remember it was like all of us were on the plane. My mom came on that trip. She was behind me. Stonepack was in front of me. Someone was next to me, but we didn't have, we had more people than the plane could take. And SOPAC was not supposed to be on the plane. So Courtney Hamilton's dad said he was not going to go because both of her parents came. So Char stayed on the plane. Mr. Hamilton left and Kelly was on the plane with us. Because I went on the second plane. I went on the one with um, Mr. Hamilton. So ours, ours had very similar situations happen to it, but you were were in the plane ahead of us. Oh my gosh. We were up in the air. We were all asleep. We were so tired. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be honest. We thought we were going to die. Let's just put this out there. Our plane dropped, must've been 10,000 feet and like quick in like 0.2 seconds. I think I, I, I thought at the time that I grabbed the seat back. I grabbed Sopak's neck because I, I like reached too far and I grabbed his neck and he was like, Oh my God. And we're screaming. And the pilot was like, we're going to be okay. And we were like, sir, we don't care. This does not feel safe. We are not okay with this. We landed and we were like, never again are we doing this. Never. And I don't think anyone did, but never again was that going to happen. It was the worst. I've been on planes my whole life. 
never again will I ever forget that trip. It was, it was horribly amazing. Yes. So what was the memory you were going to, to say that you remembered? So freshman year was the, you know, the Kellys and the Kayleys and the Kendras and the Courtney's of the team. And we were playing Albany High School. It was our first away game. We sit in the locker room and so Pac says, you're starting. And I said, I'm, I'm who? I'm what? I'm in the, what? And it's okay. This is, we're doing this. And that was the best game of my season. I had like 23 points, crushed the game. And I was so proud of myself because not only was it my first start, but I was like, okay, like I'm supposed to be doing this. Like I'm a freshman who's starting on the varsity team. Like everyone was super proud of me, but the girl on Albany was one of my teammates who we were like super close. And I was, I just, I'm one of those people. And I was one of those people who talked all types of trash, but never really could back it up because I like, you're on the team with them. So it's like, it's weird. So we played that. And I, I remember playing so good. And at the end of the game, she was like, wow, you actually did really good. And I was like, <laughs> excuse you. I was, I did really good. What do you mean? Of course, like, duh, of course I did. But I'll always remember because I was so scared. Like he looked at me, he was like, you're going to start. And I was like, <laughs> and then I like, wa- we walked out and my dad always, he, him, my parents never sat together. This was nothing new. And he sat, he always sat in the left corner and he would take stats and all that stuff. And I remember walking out and he was looking at me like we do. We always do our, like our little before the game thing. And he was like clapping, like, you know, get ready all of our little hand signals. And I tried to tell him like, I'm starting. Like, I don't know what I did. I was like, top five, like, I'm in. And he was like, what? And then I remember they called my name and he was like, oh my gosh, she's starting. And then from there, it was just like everything ended up working out, but I'll never forget it because I was so nervous. But I think that was the game that gave me the confidence to be like, I'm probably going to do fine. I think I'm, I'm think for the rest of the next four years, I think I'm going to be okay. So it worked out. And, And you were, and you had a phenomenal career. And you know, like I said, it's it's awesome to see one thing transform into another thing. And so that's why I I did reach out to you to see if you'd be willing to come on. Even if I didn't remember the significance of the 50, we got to talk some basketball here at the end. So some people might have been like, hey, man, radio, this is great. And then all of a sudden, the last 10 minutes, they're like, what's this basketball stuff? <laughs> the other people might be like, hey, 90 minutes of radio, what are we talking about? And then they're excited about the basketball part. So Whatever it is, I hope people can hear the the genuine joy you have talking about, number one, your memories from basketball, but two, why you love what you're doing now. And I think that's one of the things that I want to always have come out is people's true personality. And, you know, you, you have to be passionate about what you love or, or are doing because otherwise you can't really put yourself fully into it. And you are definitely doing that with <laughs> – Three job, three jobs. So yes. Um, so Jenny, thank you so much for coming on here. I wish thank you nothing you. but success. Now, is there any place that people could find you on social media? Yes. So I'm on Instagram at J9 all day. That's J and then the number, number nine, nine. All, day. all day. One word. Yes. But yeah, that's the best place to keep up with what's happening. All right. So listen, thank you so much for being willing to come on here. I appreciate it. You know, and I will say this when I first saw you shooting or at the basket at Northgate in fifth grade, I did probably never think someday we'll be on a podcast together (laughs) talking about 
radio careers. Yeah, someday. But that was a long time ago. But I, I listen, I'm so happy for you, proud Thank of you. you. And and I hope that if someone doesn't get radio out of this and doesn't get basketball out of this, they can at least get the strength coming through tough times, right? Like like not easy things that it is possible to to get through those things mm-hmm. and to still have a drive to do what you love to do. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that is going to do it for today. A big thanks to Janine for coming on The Mic Is On to talk about all the things I told you we were going to cover. Basketball, radio, family situations, tough times, and of course, Gordon Ramsay Restaurant in Las Vegas and a wild trip to Wyoming. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening and getting us to this point, the 50th episode. Initially, I was just going to talk on the 50th episode about where we've been and how we got here. That will actually be episode 51 coming up to you sometime soon. As you heard the story of Janine being number 50, so it worked out perfectly to have her on this episode. Now, of course, you heard how to reach her and find her on social media on Instagram. It is J9ALLDAY, J, the number nine, and then all day, A-L-L-D-A-Y, on the Instagram. To find this podcast on Instagram, it is A-H-N-I-E-B-P-E. And of course, the email, the mic is on at gmail.com. That's the M-I-C is A-H-N at gmail.com. Hope you're all doing well out there. We made it through 50. Who knows what's to come in the future? So have a great day and we will see you later. <laughs>